I'm just a messenger. God said, go say something. I say it just the way God said it. So you may be seated this morning. Yes, I'm a husband of one wife. For 22 years, I've been married to that woman over there. When we got married in the Episcopal Church in Liberia, we were going through counseling. And I remember the rector of the Episcopal Church, Josephine Davis. She said, you're not going to make it. I was 24. She was 21. She said, the rector said to my wife's father, why are you giving your daughter to this boy to marry? In a few months' time, they're going to be going their own separate ways. So on the day of our wedding, that rector, who was the pastor in charge of St. Thomas Episcopal Church, did not show up for our wedding. We were at the church. We were dressed. There was no pastor. So my father-in-law, who was prominent in the Episcopal Church, ran to another Episcopal Church a couple miles away. And fortunately, there was a rec there was a priest. He came just to the church to run after something he had on shorts, slippers. And my father-in-law begged him, come and marry my daughter out. He came to the church. He put his robe over his short trouser. Climb on the pulpit. And even while preaching, he was saying, I don't know why you give your daughter to these two babies to get married. It's been 22 years. These two babies are still going. And guess what? I got another 90 years to enjoy that woman over there. I am telling you, I paid too much greater price. People doubted me. People thought we would fail. And that's a good thing. When people doubt you and think you're done and you will fail. <laughs> because if people don't talk about you, God will not hear it. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is, He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And some people said, right here, you hate enemies. You don't like enemies. You don't like people to hate you. That's why you're not blessed yet. Because God is waiting for your enemies to be in your proximity. Because he wants to show off on you. The reason your blessings are delayed is because you're surrounded with too many people who love you. Too many people who seek your upliftment. No enemies, no haters around you. So God is looking for a way to show off. He can't find none. So he said, wait yet until you got some people who want to see you fail. He prepares a table. And after he prepared a table, he anointed my head with oil. And when he anointed my head with oil, then my cup runneth over. I said to you some months ago, I think during COVID when we were doing service online, I love Barack Obama. And the reason I love him, so many reasons, but one of the reasons, I, I just like the way the guy walks. I wish I could walk like that, brother Mike. Look, the guy has a swag about him. He's walking like he's going to fall, but he's walking. The guy is no longer president of the United States, but everywhere he goes, he has secret service details assigned to him for life. But 
I don't think any of you know that God has assigned you two secret service details. And how do I know that? The Bible says in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Not one week, not two weeks, not two years, all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. That's why the accident that came to kill you could not kill you because there was goodness and there was mercy. That's why the sickness that came to take you could not take you because there was goodness and there was mercy. That's why when people plotted against you and lied on you and thought you were about to be fired from your job, you could not be fired because there was goodness and mercy all the days of your life. I don't know why Jesus loves me. I don't know why he cares. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. I'm glad he where would I be if Jesus didn't love me where would I be if Jesus didn't care where would I be if he didn't sacrifice his life Oh, but I'm glad, I'm so glad he did. Father in heaven, I thank you for choosing me to be a messenger of your word. <laughs> I don't know why you peek on me today, Lord. I was minding my own business on Friday and you picked on me but I thank you for putting coals of fire on my tongue to bring forth your word this morning that somebody here Lord will find hope somebody here will find help and somebody will regain confidence and trust in God's process carry us through this time in Jesus name Amen Jeremiah chapter 18 when I came to America 10 years ago I wasn't wearing glasses my eyes were very good you see what America did to me Just a few years. Jeremiah 18 verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there you will hear my word. You know, some of the things God does, I don't understand him. He could have said his word to Jeremiah right where he was. 
why would he want him to go to the potter's house? Then I would talk to you there. Oh, God. So I went down to the potter's house. And there I saw the potter. He was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel. And it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Look, as the clay is in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. When man reaches his limit, then God is just starting. That's what I'll be talking to you on today. When man reaches his limit, that's when God is just starting. I am an avid lover of action movies. I just love to see the shooting. I am telling you, I just love to see the shooting. And the thing about it that I love action movies because you see, the bad guy will be shooting in the hero's direction. None of the bad guy bullet will hit the hero. But that hero just shoot one time and the bad guy is dead. You know, and I'm like, wow, this guy is trained. No, it's not because he's trained. When a movie starts, you will see a couple writings and introduction on a screen written by, directed by, choreographed by, Direct, I said director already anyway. Produced by. Those are the people that you do not see who determines how many bullets the bad guy will, will shoot and how many the hero will shoot. Those are the people who determine how all the bad guy's bullets will miss the hero but the hero's one bullet will catch the bad guy in the head. It's not fair. It's not fair. That guy emptied a whole magazine on you and all of them missed you. As a matter of fact, you were in a car running and you could see the bullets hitting the car. You driving and none touch you. Because the writer of the story determined that all the bullets that will come your way, none of them will hit you. The writer he determined that. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God is the writer of your story. God is the writer. Your name is not Melissa in God's play. You have a different name. But God chose you to go through the firings of the enemy and none will touch you. Because it was written from the foundation of the word that you will go through such. How come all of my friends are making it in life? Every time it came to me, there was a stall. All of my siblings are buying homes and buying cars and getting degrees. But every time it came to me, there was a regression. God, what is wrong with me? Why is this happening to me? I go to church and I got to hide my car all the way in the back because... The other church members are riding Mercedes and Lexus. And uh, uh, you know, I can't even say what I ride. 
I mean, Nixon got a Mercedes. I didn't just say a Benz for nothing. Nixon got one. Yeah, you know I'm going to come there, Nixon. Nixon has a Mercedes. You know, I, I'm just hanging on. But that's how the writer of the story determined it to be. Many years ago, God gave me an analogy that is so, so powerful about the chicken, the hen, and the cheeks. And I believe I shared that with you before, but I'd like to go over it. Do not make the mistake and think that it is the mother hen who cracks the egg for the cheeks to come out. It's not her. When mama hen lays eggs, her job and her responsibilities are to sit on the egg and produce pressure and heat on the egg. But she has no idea the level of development taking place on the inside of the shell. It's only the cheeks on the inside that know when their limit has been reached. It's only the cheek on the inside who knows that my wings cannot spread any further. My beak cannot, cannot hit any further. And so constant hitting of the, by the wings and the beak causes the eggs to keep cracking. And cracking and cracking until the day the egg shell opens up and a fresh cheek comes out. So the mother provided the heat and the pressure. And that's how God operates with us. Sometimes you think your life is under so much pressure and so much heat. It's not to kill you. God is doing a work on the inside of you. God is building something on the inside of you people. It's not to destroy you. It's to make you better. But nobody on the outside sees it. Nobody on the outside knows. It's only you who knows how much you can take. It's only you who knows how far you are able to go. They mess with your children. They mess with your spouse. They mess with your husband. They mess with your job. They mess with your home. And God says, and allow it to happen, not because he's God. He said in, in Isaiah 49, 19, he said, I do a new thing. I have a plan. And if I told you my plan, you wouldn't even believe it. So God sits and allow the enemy to strike. And he's watching. In Africa, we sing a song. We say, God is watching and writing all the time. So my question to you to this morning is, how long is long enough? How far can you go? How much more can you take? Christians are the most pretentious people in the world. Let me say that to you. We pretend a lot. <laughs> we come to church. We smile with everybody. When we go home, then we cry alone. Nobody sees the hidden tears that we cry. Nobody knows the hidden pains that we bear when we're alone. Sometimes not even our spouse know what we're going through. Because sometimes it's embarrassing to talk about. It's embarrassing to mention. And we come and we see people and we greet. I am blessed and highly favored. No, you're not. You're going through issues. You're going through headaches. You're going through pains. Secret, hidden pains that unless God addresses, it will kill you. And you've come to wonder why. That was the 
case of Jeremiah. And God said, I'm tired with your complaining. I want you to go to the porter's house because I want to teach you a lesson there. So he goes to the porter's house. The porter takes the clay and spins it on the wheel. And he makes a bowl. To Jeremiah, the bowl looks beautiful. But the porter looks at what he made and says, no, 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 it's, it's not fine. He breaks it. And then he makes another one. Sometimes God will break your life down. Because the only way to make a better, different you, newer you, is to break down the old. And let me let you know, the pains you're going through in life is because God, the porter, is breaking down what you were before. In order for him to make a new, better you, he has to break down what you have, what you used to, what you love, who you've been. He has to break that down to make a different you. I was in Chicago in 2009. I was visiting with my brother. 2007, I was visiting with my brother. That was my first time in America. And he said, we should get on the train, go downtown Chicago so we see the elegance of the city. Boy, come from Africa, go to Chicago, let's go. So we go to Chicago, the train is underground, so we get off the train, get on top, and I saw Michigan Avenue. If you've been to Chicago before, I think it's the most beautiful street in the whole America. Oh, my God. We went from one street to another. We went to Buckingham Fountain. We went to the CS Tower. And then we went to some kind of bridge where you see the water underneath going. It was so beautiful. But one of those streets we walked on, there was construction going on there. And then I noticed something that I had noticed in Liberia when they're building a great building. They will barricade the entire perimeter of the project. And I saw them do the same thing in America. And then it crossed my mind. Why do they do this? So my brother said, this is America. Let's go ask. So we peeped through the place. We went in. There was a small office. And there was a builder. And then he said, my brother wants to ask a question. Okay. And then I asked, why do builders barricade the entire building the entire project site when they're doing a work. He said, oh, he said the builder wants to protect the integrity of the work he's doing. He does not want people on the outside, you know, and he, he was talking so casually. He don't want people on the outside to know the techniques and tactics that went into his work. He don't want people on the outside who got no business with his work to know when he hung up the doors and the windows and he laid a foundation and what went into the foundation because he's jealous of his work. And then the Lord spoke to my heart in Chicago, 2007. He said, I want to do with you. There are times in your life when people who knew you before don't know you no more. People who used to hang around you don't hang around you no more. People who loved you before don't love you no more. It's not their fault. God has built a wall around you. Because God is doing a work on the inside of you that he don't want people on the outside take the glory and the praise for. God will hide you from the world, from those that love you. Because he don't want them to see how he laid your foundation. 
He don't want people to see how he hung up the coverings of your heart. God wants to remove the barrier and all people see is a brand new you. But they have no say. Nobody would say, I gave her money to set up that business. Nobody would say, I gave her money to buy the car. Nobody would take the glory. Like he says in Isaiah, my glory I will share with no man. So don't hate people who loved you before but don't love you no more. It's not them. God is doing a work on the inside. He wants no man to share your glory. Paul, to break it down. Break it down. Break it down. Break it down. I don't like how I am. I don't like how my life. I don't have to go to work tomorrow, Pastor. I, w- I want to lay home. Got $10 million in the bank. And don't look at me like that. All of you wish the same. I wish I had $10 million in the bank. I get some wild imagination sometimes. Sometimes I wish some kind of truck, you know, the big FedEx Walmart trucks when I'm driving. I, I shouldn't die that or I shouldn't get hurt. You know, just tip me. I lay in the hospital for two months and then my lawyer go to them to settle for $200 million. You think the same way. It may not be truck hitting you, but you think there was a way that Bill Gates would meet you and give you $100 million. Thank you. And you ain't got to work no more. If I had my own way, my last name would not be Kai. It would be Bezos. It would be Jeff Bezos' son. I would be his journeyman. But when God wrote the story of my life, Bezos was not a part of it. Stop bringing people into your story who are not part of God's plan. You want too many friends. That's why you are delayed. Stop bringing people in your life who God has not uttered. Not every fruit is for eating. Not every tree is for producing. Stop opening your heart to everybody. You want to be too friendly. You're too nice. All you want is good name. Some people come in your life to steal the show. Some come in your life to delay your blessing. Some come in your life to stop you. And some come to kill you. You know, have you wondered why the black race is the most hated race in the world? Thank God Pastor Stephen I here. I can say, oh, Pastor Stephen, daughter, charisma, please don't tell Pastor what I'm about to say. Have you wondered why the black race is the most hated race in the world? Have you African-Americans stopped to understand why you are the most picked on people in this country? Have you stopped to think why everybody hates you? You went through hundreds of years of slavery, never saw revenge. You've gone through discrimination of all sorts, never saw the payback. And still you hate it. Why? Because inside of you, inside of you, is a story never written. It's a dream not yet realized. When the brothers hated Joseph, it was not because of a coat of many colors. It was because of the dream that he had. Inside of you is a potential 
that has not even been realized. That's why you hate it. Okay, yes, here is the part. Charisma made a deal. She won't tell pastor. Just how I know Jesus was not a white man. I believe Jesus was a Negro. The Bible says his hair is like wool. Now, if you want to know the example of a wool, put your hand in Herb Morel hair. You will feel wool. You will know what wool is. That Negro got wool in his hair. So Jesus is born. Herod wants to kill all the newborn babies because he's afraid that a new king has been born, right? So why would God tell Joseph, take your white baby and go to Africa among black people to hide from Herod? What sense that makes? If he's the only wise God, how will you go hide a white baby among black people in Africa? But God knew that baby Jesus looked just like me. And so when he's in Africa and everybody walking and passing by each other, ain't nobody know who's this is. He looked just like me. So he will hide among people that look like him to preserve his life. Where she is? We good? My secret safe, right? She not answering. My secret safe? He was not a white man. Every other color in the world come out of black. But black come out of no other color. No other color can produce black. Only black can produce gray and white and red and blue and lavender. Every other thing come out of the black race. You know why you hate it? Because in you God has placed the potential of the world. How you kill a people and they can't finish. How you jail a people and they can't finish. How you deprive them of basic civil liberties and dignity. Yet they get up every morning with their head up high. Going to work like yesterday never happened. Let me look. There's no white man here. A typical white man would die if his current went off during the winter. He would kill himself. But you go downtown, you see Negroes sleeping on the street in January. And he can't die. Because inside of you is the vision of God. I was watching a video on Facebook. And a guy was giving a story. I was sharing with somebody the other day. They went to, to catch some fish and his partner caught a big, huge lobster. You know why I'm staying down here this long? Because going up is a problem. <laughs> ah, okay. That's why I came down and then I caught myself. Oh, there's Daniel no stair. He caught a lobster that was big. And then his partner took a marker and tagged the lobster. And threw it back in the water. And he said, hey, why you threw the lobster back? We caught it. That's a good meal. And his partner said to him, the lobster is pregnant. So when you catch a pregnant lobster, you tag it and put it back in the water. So that the next person who catches it will know that it is pregnant. You know why you tag? Because you're pregnant with a purpose. That's why people pick on you. That's why people can't stand your presence and your guts. It's not because you've done something wrong. You carry an anointing that the world cannot understand. You carry a power on the inside of you that has yet to be unleashed. 
you carry a grace on your life. Black men, black women, because you're strong. No race can take the things that you've taken. No race. That's why if you look for the demographic who is most vulnerable in America, it's the black race. But guess what? A new day is coming in America. A new day is coming in America when the true potential of the Negro people will be realized. Why am I milling? That's why I'm not a Republican. You can't tell pastor that also. <laughs> David, son of Jesse, Brothers are in the army, which is an honorable position. But young David is relegated to the backside of the desert to take care of sheep. And you know, pastor said something once a couple of months ago when he was preaching. I thought about it. It made so much sense. I don't think Jesse's wife was David's mother. Because he know mama would send her baby boy in the desert where she knew there would be snakes and lions. And not care about him there. Maybe, according to pastor, you, you can tell him this one. The pastor said it. Maybe, Oman Jesse messed with one of the slave girls and had a baby by her. And Jesse's wife said, that child don't live in my house. Okay, send him my son, send him to the desert. But he was there in the desert taking care of sheep. And what nobody in, in, in the city knew was there was a time, pastor, that a lion came. And David killed the lion. There was another time that a bear came. And David killed the bear. Your private battles, your private battles that you fought when nobody saw you, when nobody knew you went through them, are the battles that will prepare you for the palace that God is taking you to. So don't hit yourself when you're going through warfare when, when, and, and there's nobody to help you. Because the Bible said God is a very present help in time of trouble. If he took you through the desert, he will bring you to the palace. He's sitting in the desert encountering bears and lions. I'm sure there were scorpions. He killed them all. He killed them all. So you are the clay. God is the porter. Your story is written. Your story is set. So when, when, when you're reading a novel, I ain't read a novel in a long time though. When you're reading a novel and your character is, your favorite character is John. John is doing great things all the way from chapter 1 to chapter 10. But suddenly in chapter 11, John walks out of the store and John is shot. The next thing you want to do is go all the way to the end. That's what I do. Go all the way to the end of the book to see whether John is still mentioned. If John ain't there no more, I ain't reading that book any further. Because my favorite guy is dead. In chapter 10 of your life, when you took that bullet, in the final chapters of your life, you win. When the last chapter of your life is written, you win. The old man Job, sitting minding his own business. Then there was a meeting in heaven or somewhere. When the sons of God gathered, the sons of God gathered, 
And the Bible said, thank you, Pastor. The Bible says, Satan was in their midst. You remember that story? So of all the sons of God who were in the meeting, do you know who God chose to have a conversation with? Satan. This is what the Bible says. The sons of God gather. Satan was in their midst. And God said, Satan, man, where you been? So said, oh God, come on now. You know I've been roaming all around. Now, and then God said, have you seen Job? Number one, it wasn't Satan who brought up Job's name. It was God. Some of the crises you're going through in life, it's because God called your name somewhere. It wasn't Satan who brought up Job's name. It was God. Have you, have you seen Job? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Have you seen how faithful that guy is to me? Man, God, please, please. Why he won't be faithful? You have blessed the man immensely. You have protected him with walls that I can't even touch him. Oh, is that why you think he's faithful to me? That's the only reason. Okay, let's try. I will remove my protection. Hit him. Only a life you can't take. Satan and God having a poker game. Job knows nothing about it. He's their pawn. You think you're going through crisis? God mentioned your name in a conversation because he trusts your potential. So Satan goes first. He wiped out Job's descendants, all his children. Killed them. Come back to God. God said, you see, I told you. Satan said, God, I can kill his children and take everything he has. As long as he is still alive, the man got hope of reproducing. God said, oh, you really think that's it? So all the things you've seen is not enough? He said, no, I want his body. God said, you know what? Go for the body. Only his life you can't take. Struck him any way you want. He afflicted Job from head to toe with souls and boils that man had never imagined before. That happened all the way in chapter 1 and chapter 2. All the way in chapter 40, Job said, I will wait until my change come. What happened between chapter 3 and 13? That's a long story. But some of you gave up all the way right in chapter 3. In chapter 14, Job said, I will wait until my change come. He said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. You have to be able to sing the hallelujah anyhow praise. God, I see the rain. I see the storm. But God, I see you behind it. The Bible said God blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. That was Job. Jesus, God by himself. In the Garden of Gethsemane, praying to the Father, God, I know I'm Jesus, oh, but this one is not an easy cup. Take it from me, Lord. If it left with me, God, take this cup away. But you know what? It's not what I want. It's what you say. Because in that Garden of Gethsemane, Satan brought a mental picture before Christ of the cross of Calvary. And the journey to get to the cross, the beating he will endure, the betrayal he will suffer, the crucifixion, the nail in, in the palms of his hand, the nail in the tassels of his feet. 
And Jesus said, God, this is too much. When the devil presented his picture, God presented another picture. You see, it's always him who comes first. God presented a picture of Jesus in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Who, because of the future glory, endured the present cross. So God's picture to Jesus was, I see the pain you will go through. I see the pain you are going through. But after the pain, there is the glory. There is the glory. There is the glory. And so Jesus said, Father, take me to the cross. How long is long enough? You watch your children. You watch your sons. You watch your daughters become less than what you envisage them to be. You watch other people's children growing up, going to college, but yours not going to college not doing what you prayed and you sought. The reason is because you have not learned to surrender your clay in the hand of the porter. When you reach your limit, then God has a beginning. The Bible says God is able to keep that which we commit to his charge. The reason he has not intervened in the affairs of your children because you have not surrendered your children to him. You got a husband who all over the place. He all over the place. I didn't say why he doing. He all over the place. And all you do, you fight when he comes home. You argue, you accuse. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 21, 1, that scripture is so real to me because, you know, my wife, she knows that scripture well. When I was chasing that girl, Pastor, in 1998, she was 18 years old in 11th grade in Liberia. I saw that woman and I went to her. I said, hey. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> she told me, I ain't ready for that. Okay. But I was afraid that somebody else would take that woman and not me. So I drew closer to God because of a woman. I found that scripture in Proverbs 21.1. He said, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Proverbs 16.1, he said, the preparation of the heart in me and the answer of the tongue is of God. It is God who make a person say yes and no. I said, God, that girl, her heart turned it to me. Turn her heart to me. 22 years. We have been accustomed to go to God in prayer and remind God how big all our problems are. We've never returned to our problems and tell them how big our God is. The Bible says, Whosoever would say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast in the midst of the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. He shall have whatever he said. Brother David, can I see that time a little bit? Oh, okay. You are the porter. When you're going through your darkest moments in life, get to know this one thing. All he's waiting for is a word from you. 
you are in God's play. You are God's movie that the world is watching. You will take the bullets today. You will take the shots. You will take the beatings. My favorite actor is not Steve Seagal. Nobody can beat him in a show, no. My favorite actor is always a guy, I don't know what you remember, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Man, the guy could fight karate. But they beat him in all his movies well. That's a champion who took the beating, he took the kicks and the punches, but in the end, the bad guy died. He had a roundhouse kick, house kick, where you go like this. If I try to practice that kick, I think I would die. Yeah. I can't even go there. But Jean-Claude will be beaten and beaten and beaten and punched. Many times he will encounter the bad guy. And they will beat him. They will beat him. He will go back and train. But that last meeting, he will take the greatest beating of all. And all it took was one moment in his life to kick that guy with a roundhouse. And he never woke up no more. God is the writer of your story. If there's anything you took from me here today, everything you're going through in life today, everything you've been through in life yesterday, God wrote it in his book. And you are a character. And the last time I checked, actors got paid. He will pay you. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be not unmovable. Be unmovable, steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor in God is not in vain. Everything the devil has brought your way, God knew it before it came. The reason you survived it, because it was part of the story. Brother Reggie, it was part of the story. At a hall, <laughs> it was part of the story. That in your isolation from the walls of your church, from the protection of your brethren, that you will still find hope that God is your very present help. That when the doctors say one report, God says another report, Sister Becky, and then whose report do you believe? I choose to believe the report of the Lord because the Bible says the promises in him are yea and amen. God was not good yesterday and somehow today he's not good. James 17, he said God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. The Bible said there is no variableness. He was not good yesterday and somehow today there is no shadow of turning in God. Malachi, he said, I am the Lord thy God. I change not. Hebrews 38, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's good. He's good. I can taste and I can see that God is good. He's been there for me in the darkest of moments. He's been there with me in the loneliest of times. He's been there with me when there was nobody to talk to, nobody to call. All I heard was a voice. Hang on. Hang on. Don't throw in the tower now. There is light at the end of the tunnel. It may be dark today. Psalm 35, he said, weeping may endure for the night. 
but joy will come in the morning. I don't care how dark your life is, how dark your story is, how hopeless your case looks, joy will come in the morning. God bless you.